to God be the glory to God be the glory for the things he has done to God be the glory to God be the glory to God be the glory for the things he has done Father we thank you in the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Hallelujah. All right, this morning, very quickly, very, very quickly, I will just go through certain things, and we will be out of here. I'll make sure I don't take too much of your time. Uh, okay. Because of the season we are in, I just want to, you know, bring a message that uh, kind of relates with that, and at the same time reminds us of um, some very cogent uh, or important things that will help us or that helps us or that's supposed to help us in our work of grace. Uh, if you have your Bibles with me or if you can, please open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you find Luke... Say praise God. If you can't find it, like somebody said, just look. All right. Luke chapter 2 from 25. Luke chapter 2 verse 25. 25. 25. Luke chapter 2 from verse 25. Yes, 2, 5. Listen to what it said. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. All right, let's go. Keep going until I say stop. 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, 28, then took he, took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to your word. I want you to mark that word, according to your word. All right, 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. 
and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Thank you. All right. Uh, if you look at the story of Jesus Christ, of the story of the advent, the story of, you know, the nativity or the story of the coming of Christ, one thing runs through all of them. And that thing that runs through all of them is that God spoke to men. God spoke to men. Can you imagine that? That the holy God, an almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who knows tomorrow and holds everything in his hands, wanted to do something significant. And yet, he spoke these things to men. And that is not just the only marvelous thing there. That's not the only thing that marvels me, that surprises me every time I read all through those stories. Another thing that surprises me is the fact that God did not just only speak, but based on the circumstances of the uh, 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 community where they lived or the society at the time, that these men and women who for the most part were just mere ordinary men were still able to believe what God has said. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. The society at that time, if you look at it, was uh, a theocracy or a society that was, you know, a mixture of, you know, the government is a, is, is a, is a mixture of, uh, of, of religion and government, a, a, a theocracy, all right? And then there are roles for everybody. Everybody needed to do what they needed to do. There were roles. You could not cross roles. If you cross your role, you might likely kill yourself or get killed. And to hear God in those days was the exclusive preserve of some people called the prophets. They were the only ones who could hear God and relay God's heart or God's mind to his people. But yet, God spoke to Mary who had never been a priest, who had never been a rabbi, who had never walked in the temple, who had never done something spiritual. Above all, she was a young maiden, the Bible said. And God came from nowhere and spoke to her that she was going to conceive the savior of the world and she believed. Not that only. Joseph the custom abhors fornication or adultery. In fact, if you had a wife at that time and she was not a virgin, she has brought shame to her family and disgrace to the man 
who she has been betrayed to or who was her fiancé, like we're going to say today. And God spoke to him, don't take this girl, I mean, don't send this girl, don't send this girl away. And yet, he believed. How did all this, and if you look at it, you look at God spoke to uh, 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 John's dad, his mom, everybody, there was a prophet. And yet, they believed. How were they able to do that? And the question is also, is it possible for God to speak today? And we, knowing exactly that God is speaking to us, and yet believe. The Bible said about Simon. It said, Simon, it said, there was a man in Jerusalem. I need you to know that. I need you to put that in your mind. There was a man in Jerusalem. When the Bible says there was a man in Jerusalem, you know what it's saying? It's saying that this man has no title. This man is not a popular man. He was just what? A man. There was a man. He was like a commoner. He was like any other person. There was a man in Jerusalem. How do I know that this guy is nothing? In other words, I mean, as in he has no title. He's not somebody that's high in society. How do I know that? I know that because if you read verse 36 of this same Luke chapter 2, the Bible talked about another woman called Anna and he called her the prophetess that God spoke to. So God spoke to certain people who were just men. And God spoke to other people who were titled people. What has that got to do with you and me today? What that is telling you and me, that it does not matter what your state is. It does not matter who you are. God still speaks today. And you can hear him and know him that he is speaking to you clearly. What are the other qualifications that this man, there was a man, this man, what was the other qualification that he had? What are the lines of, uh, of uh, agreement between, you know, you, you and uh, Simon? The Bible says he has the Holy Ghost. Do you have the Holy Ghost today? Oh, not too many people are not too sure. Do you have the Holy Ghost today? That was one qualification. In the olden days, they had the Holy Ghost on them. That's before Jesus died. The people had the Holy Ghost on them. And the Holy Ghost was to help them or to enable them. But in the new dispensation, we do not only have the Holy Ghost on us, we have him inside us. The Holy Ghost on top of us is to enable us. And one of the things he wants to enable us to do is to be able to hear God accurately. The Holy Ghost inside us is to reveal the mind and the thoughts of God to us. Just like he did to Mr. Simon. Just like Simon had him in those days. You can hear him clearly. 
know that he's the one talking, be sure that he's the one talking, and act in faith and in belief that God still speaks today. God still speaks today. God speaks today. All right. Today, everybody wants to know what to do. How it should be done. Where you should go. Where to walk. What city to leave. Who to marry. And there are so many questions like that. They're just following us. And, and a lot of times, we get befuddled by all these questions and all these uncertainties and all these unknowns in our lives. And guess what that has done? That has made a lot of Christians victims of charlatans, so to say. And not just Christians, but every other person. Because we want to know our future. We want to know the unknown. We want to hear God. We want to understand him. We want to know what it holds. If I take this step, will it be successful? If I go this way, am I sure it is God? If I do this, is it God? Is there God in what I'm doing? And in our desires to know, we're on helter-skelter and become the victims of people. One of the most profitable uh, uh, industry today is the, prof is, is the industry of, you know, those soothsayers on TV. Have you seen them on TV? I heard there's a multi-billion dollar uh, uh, corporation. Multi-billion dollar, I mean, industry. People make money off of you just to tell you what you know. Even Christians. Somebody was telling me the other time, uh, I, 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 when that this guy was telling me uh, something, and what was it? Oh, I see. Oh, I see a job in your. I see a job, 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 job in the spirit. Job in the spirit. And does that mean anything to you? Anything job? I, I just see that word. Does that mean anything to you? Of course, it's going to mean something to you. You you are either working or out of work. Your work is either working, something's happening. There's something going on there. Something. Of course. And then when you now go and you now say, oh, yes, uh, yes, it's my job. I feel like, you know, I, you know uh, I feel like I'm tired of my job. And Okay, God just told me now. God, God just told me. God just told me that you are going to enter your robot. I mean, nobody needs to tell you you are going to enter your robot. Folks, we need to stop deceiving ourselves. You have what you have. You have what you need, I mean. There are so many things. We deceive. I mean, we have subjected ourselves to deception. And God has made a way for us. Where you can know him. Know his heart. Know what he's saying. And be able to work accurately in the things that he's saying. Meet you know all kinds of things. Now let me let me put a caveat here. Is there a genuine ministry and the office of the prophet? Absolutely, there is. There is absolutely there. Absolutely, there is. But what I'm saying is that there are so many things that God has. You see, God has called you. I told you He has put His Spirit inside you. 
Not just inside you. He has put the spirit on you. To be able to help you, to guide you, to lead you, and to direct you. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ministry of the prophet. There's a ministry of uh, God ministering to people and giving people messages. There's absolutely that. But I'm saying, don't go around looking for a word. The word is near thee and in thy mouth. The word is near thee and in thy mouth. If God can talk to ordinary people like Simeon, who in the rank of spiritual things does not even qualify as much as you do, how much more is he ready to tell, to talk to you and to speak to you? The Bible says there is a spirit in man. The inspiration of God gives him understanding. There's something inside you that God wants to inspire, to give you direction and to let you know that he's actually with you and he's working with you and he wants to lead you. God has more stake in your life than you have. He has more stake in it. And that's why he's more invested in your life than you think. No wonder he promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. What are you looking for that you don't have? What are you looking for that you don't have? I remember not too long ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. And I was asking after his family and his uh, friend and his family. And I asked after his sister. She was so zealous in those days when we were young. He was so zealous. And he was telling me that, oh, she's still a Christian. And, but now, uh, she, has, she, has, uh, she has this guy who, who, who consults for her. Does spiritual consultancy for her. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, she has a guy on payroll. She pays the guy. She mentioned the amount of money she pays that guy monthly for the guy to give her a word. I said, oh my God, I just missed my calling there. Yeah, I missed my calling If I can be paid for me to tell you that your, your life is going to be good, I will gladly take the job for half the price. No, I'll take something, not nothing, but I'll take it for half the price. I'll take it for half the price. All right, let's get serious now. My time is going. The voice of God. What is the voice of God? How do you, you know, how do you come to know the voice of God? How do you come uh, uh, to... To understand the voice of God. To know the voice of God, first of all, we have to know what it is not. How do you find the voice of God? We have to know, first of all, what it is not. All right? Now, the voice of God is not putting out the fleece if you want to hear God. Don't go putting out the fleece. God, I pour this water down. If it dries, I know you are the one leading me. That's not what Simeon did. If you look at Simeon, you look at that story very well. When God wants to speak his will and his thought and his... Uh, mind to you. God comes to you. But for the most part, what many of us do is that we bring our own thoughts and our own will and our own understanding to God and want God to verify it or God to san sanction what we want to do. But God wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. 
Number two, the voice of God is not you just opening. You, you, some, I've, I've seen this. I mean, when I was in college, I was one of the fellowship leaders. They call us pastors in those days. And really, it was, it was pastoral job. And if you walk with those kind of students, young people like that, if you walk with them, there are two, two things that you know. One is that they are very zealous. They have energy. They, have, they can sacrifice. They can do anything. I mean, some of the things we did as students in those days, my God, I can't even do them as an adult right now. The kind of things that we did. But the other thing, the other side of it, the other side of it is that there are so many funny things going on, so many crazy things going on on the other side. For instance, one of, the, one of the things that you know, we had to deal with at every time is that everybody, every student, every child, every guy wanted to know the will of God concerning them. What would they want to know the will of God concerning? Who they will marry. Everybody wanted to know who they will marry. All right? And all kinds of crazy things were going on at that time. And I'm saying that to explain this point to you of what the voice of God is not. You see some people, they'll tell you, they'll say, God, I will just, to know your will now, I'll just close my eyes open the Bible, put my hand somewhere, and wherever my hand touches, I read, I know that is your will for me. Yeah, crazy things. And I hope one day one of those people will not go and put their hands in that area that said, uh, and Judas committed suicide. Funny things, crazy things. You see, I mean, you see a guy, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is true. Wanted to go and talk to a girl. Open the Bible, put the hand there, and talk about the walls of Jericho. Go around the walls of Jericho. And then you go to the girl's house, the girl's place, or hostel, or whatever, and then you walk around it seven times. And of course, you know what the answer is. It's no. Because God was not in it originally. What is the voice of God? What is the voice of God? Uh, okay. The, the voice of God, what does it look like? Now, a lot of times, we think that, you know, when God speaks to people, when God talks to people, he, it is, he's, you know, he just speaks like he spoke to Moses. In those days. Now, does God, does God do that? Yes, there's a possibility he does that. Has he done that with me before? No. And I'm not really sure I want to hear his voice like that this time around. But God speaks to us. Sometimes. They're in the form of a thought an idea, an impression, an urge, a burden, a suggestion, a prompting, a nudge, an inspiration, an understanding, a witness, and so on and so forth. But let me, let me, let me quickly touch on two for one minute, and then I will just go and, and uh, in the form of a conviction, now, God convicts, but he does not condemn. All right? God convicts you, 
but he will not condemn. What is conviction? Conviction is, a, an, is an awareness of a situation that you need to correct, so to say, or a situation that needs to come to your attention. That's conviction. Condemnation speaks or it nudges at the very heart of your worth. In other words, I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. I'm not all right. That's what condemnation is. And God does not speak to you that way. The Bible declares and tells us that the devil is the accuser of the word brethren. God does not accuse you. God enlightens you. All right? And understanding, let me just quickly say something. Sometimes God speaks to you in a way where you just, something just, is a light bulb. It just comes up. It just opens up. Like that. And then you have an understanding. You get it. That this thing is not just me thinking this thing. It's not just me thinking this, these thoughts. But it is God. But let me, uh, let me quickly go back and uh, show you something. Or uh, show us something. Why is it important for God to speak to us? Why is it important for God to speak to us? My best friend in this church is a man called Mr. Israel Maladon. That's my best friend. You see, this, this thing that you heard this morning that he said, oh, we have discussed it before. It's my, it's not, he, was, he was new to you. It wasn't new to me. We, you know, <laughs> he's my friend. You know, he's my buddy. We are, I mean, we're good every time. We see eye to eye. So I know he could do that. And he could do more. The scripture he read this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Tells you every reason in the world why God wants to speak to you. Number one, he's your shepherd because you're his. And he cannot just leave you just to wander all over the place by yourself. No wonder the book of John, chapter 10, tells us. That he will lead us in and out. In and out. In and out. Number two. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, if you go to... Uh, Chapter, if you go to verse 9 of chapter 10, he said he will lead you in and out. That you will do what? Find pasture. So number two, he wants you to find pasture. Number one, you are his. Number two, he wants you to find pasture. What is pasture for us? Pasture is anything that will nourish your soul, that will nourish your heart. And for some of us, pasture may not be food. Some of us, pasture may just be that we need his rest right now. He will lead you to rest. Sometimes pasture 
may just be that, like I said, you probably need a job. He will lead you to that place. He leads me to find pasture. That's one of the reasons why he wants to lead you. Another reason why he wants to lead you. Number three, and I'll stop there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Why is God leading us? He's leading us. Because out there can be dangerous. I was listening to an interview by uh, somebody was interviewing this lady called uh, Anne Lamont. And one thing she said that caught my attention. I don't know if that quote is, you know, it has directly, but she said something that I will never forget. She said, as Christians, we are Easter Sunday people living in a Good Friday world. We are Easter Sunday people living in the Good Friday world. What does that mean? On Easter Sunday is that Sunday, that morning of resurrection. When everything is okay. When everything is clear. When God has done everything. When God has said it is finished. Your sin was paid for. Your salvation was paid for. Your redemption was paid for. Your future was paid for. And everything that concerns you has been paid for. Everything that pertains to you has been settled. He said it is finished. However, we have to deal with the Good Fridays because that is where we are. The Good Friday is a time of contradictions, times of disappointments. When the things that you think are going to work are not working exactly the way you think they should, those are the Good Fridays. And I also dare to add to it, we also live in a silent Saturday. That nebulous period where you are not sure of anything. The Messiah that you have believed in, that you have trusted in, that you think will restore the kingdom, that you think will make everything good, seems to be unresponsive to the things that are happening in your life or around you. But the joy of you and I, we are Easter Sunday people. And every time, just remember this, every time things are not going the way you think they should, remember this, that you are a, an Easter Sunday person. And that should be a comfort to us. All right. So three things. Those are the three things why, you know, uh, why God wants to uh, uh, speak to us. Those are the three, those are the three reasons why God, not, they are not exhaustive in themselves. They are not uh, uh, completing themselves, but I just wanted to use that as a way of letting us know that uh, God has reasons for investing in wanting us to uh, hear him and listen to him. So, now, in, in, in closing, in closing, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of God? 
What happens? How do you hear the voice of God? How did Simon do it? Can you put Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 2 verse 1, Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. All right. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. A lot of times, those of us who are the prayer warriors, those prayer guys and all of that, we thought this was a prayer, prayer scripture. But this is not a prayer scripture. This is not a prayer. You know, we, we say, okay, if you want to hear God, stand on your watch. Ah, uh, you know, you see all kinds of things. But this is not a prayer scripture. What Habakkuk is trying to help us to understand is this. Is that when it comes to spiritual communication between God and man, we have leaned so heavily on the prayer side and leaned so lightly, if at all, on the hearing God side. For communication with God to be complete, it has to take the two. You are speaking to God and God is speaking back to you. But in many situations, we speak to God and we just walk out. And God has no time to even respond. God has no time to respond or to give you direction or to give you insight. So we do all kinds of things. We prepare we pray, we set ourselves up to pray. But we don't give equal attention to listening to God. Hearing God must be a deliberate, intentional thing. Hearing God must be a deliberate, intentional thing. That's what Abakuk was saying. That's what Abakuk said. He said, I will stand, I will do it. This is what I am going to do. I'm going to stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower and I will watch to see what he will say to me. It has to be a deliberate. Just the way you prepare to pray. You also have to give time to listening and hearing from God. If you don't do it intentionally, you will never hear from God. Or it will be fuzzy. So God is speaking. The issue is, we probably are not listening or we're not hearing him clearly. And Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians, he said, if, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who can prepare for war or who will prepare for war? If you don't hear God clearly, if you don't hear him clearly, who can prepare for war? So this is not... Um, a prayer scripture. And sometimes, just sometimes, we are too quick, too quick to act, not knowing that even your prayer life your prayer life 
becomes more enriched and more accurate when you hear before you pray. Your prayer life becomes more enriched, more accurate when you hear God before you pray. There are certain things you just have to hear God. In Romans 8.26, the Bible tells us. He said, for sometimes, because of our infirmities, because of our natural infirmities, because of our humanity, sometimes we don't know how we should pray like we ought to. And one of the ways to resolve that conflict of you not knowing how to pray like you ought to is to be attentive to the voice of God. If you hear God and you pray back his word to him, there's no way you will not get an answer. Like Simon. For Simon, in this encounter or in this experience, is what I call to see is to hear. To see is to hear. If you are going to see God, you are going to see anything that God is going to do. You are going to see his hand in most cases in your life. You've got to hear him. You've got to see him. Because why? We know that God framed everything by his word. Jesus told us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you hear him, you will see him. Like Simon, Simon heard him and he saw the glory of the Lord. He said, I have seen the glory of the Lord exactly like your word has said. What is God speaking to you today? Or what has he spoken to you before? There is power in what God has told you. The Bible tells us that we know that the walls were framed by the word of God. Seeing that it's, uh, knowing that the things that do appear were created by the things that were not seen. Every time God says something to you, the Bible declares that that word will not return to him what? Void. It will accomplish it will accomplish. If God has spoken it, God is not a man that he will lie. If he has said it, he will do it. If he has spoken it, he will make it good. He's going to make it good on your behalf. What is God saying to you today? What is God speaking to you today? On Wednesday, I want you to make it there on Wednesday. On Wednesday, if you come, I will tell you, I will give you the keys from scriptures of how to know accurately what God is saying. The Bible says, test all spirits. So that you don't just do anything anyhow. You don't just run around doing anything anyhow. And say, oh, I heard the voice of God. God told me to divorce my wife. No. On Wednesday, I will show you some of those things. From scriptures. When you hear that intuition, when something is going on, when you, when you are thinking, God, is this you? How do I ascertain that this is the voice of God? The Bible gave us all the prescription. It's right there in scriptures. 
So on Wednesday, that's what we're going to do. God bless you. But before, before, before I sit down, before I sit down, before I sit down, please, just give me, just indulge me for one minute. Uh, I was, um, I had this burden during the week. And last night, Pastor Tosi called me and had the same burden. And so we're walking in the spirit, we're gelling in the spirit together. And that is that these fasts, we're having a fast. All right? 20, uh, 27. Let me get it accurately. Let me get my, my just in accurately. 27, 28, 29. I think that God wants to do something special. Now, listen to me. God is not limited by space or time. So we're not saying because of this fast, God's going to bless you. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're talking about. At the same time, God uses space and time to accomplish his purpose. So I please, please, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you by the message of God. 27, 28, 29. Just come, be a part of this fast. And let's uh, end this year and open up the new one. All right? Somebody once said, the way you live is the way you enter. All right? If you leave, the way you live one place is the way you're going to enter the next phase. If you don't believe me, Pastor Baratunde will tell you. Baratunde is an accountant. You have, you have a balance brought forward. Am I correct? In other words, the way you closed last year, that's the way you opened the new, the new year in your books. All right? And Baratunde too, he will. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you.